Hi everyone. This morning's reading is Luke 9 verses 1 to 17. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Beth Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can, they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Well, thank you, Chloe. As I come to preach in this passage, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would speak to us. Thank you that you promised to do that when we listen. Would the things that I say be faithful to your word this morning? And would we grow in the certainty of the things we've been taught, things that have been written and in our salvation? Father, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I can still remember the scene well. It's all well and good hearing these things about Jesus, but he's not around now, so how am I supposed to believe him? I'd believe if I saw Jesus. Those are the words that my friend said to me once. As I said, I remember it well as we sat talking in a coffee shop. I'd believe if I saw Jesus. Jesus. 
Perhaps you've had a similar experience. Perhaps that's a question you've asked. How would you answer? You see, if we've been following Luke so far through his orderly account, as we've been doing here for the past few Sundays, well, we're going to have known a few things already. We'd know that Jesus is authoritative, he's compassionate, and he's qualified to save. We'd know that Jesus gives salvation to sinners. We'd know that we need to be careful how we listen to Jesus. And from last Sunday, as we just saw with the children, we'd have seen the scary but safe saviour. But as my friend pointed out, Jesus is not physically with us. So what good is the call to listen to him and to come to him for salvation? You see, actually, my my friend's question is not that uninformed. Jesus' salvation, it's for anyone and for everyone. We've seen that. But what if you've missed Jesus? I mean, we weren't walking the streets of Israel in the first century, were we? We weren't walking around when Jesus was. So how can we get in on this salvation that he offers? Well, as it happens, a man named Theophilus would have had exactly the same question. You see, he's a friend of the author. He's a friend of Luke. And Luke has written this orderly account for him so that he may know the certainty of the things that he has been taught. And Luke's answer to Theophilus, well, it's to tell him a story, a true story, the true story we've just read in Luke chapter 9. So this story will give us the answer to the question, I'm hoping. So let's have a look at this story. Let's have a look at what Luke says to us, shall we? Well, the very first thing Luke wants us and he wants Theophilus to see is that Jesus speaks through his disciples. See, we start chapter 9 with Jesus calling his crew together. These are the 12 that were hand-selected the 12 hand-selected disciples of Jesus. And they've been with him since at least Luke chapter 6. And what does he do? He gives them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. That's some pretty strong stuff, I'm sure you'd agree. And it's not just something that anybody can do. I mean, I can't give you authority to do that any more than I can give you authority to go and stand in the middle of the road and stop the traffic. But Jesus can give that authority. Why? Well, because it's his to give. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you'll have seen Jesus doing those very same things. He's just driven out legion, a formidable enemy with just his words. He's cured a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years with just his words. And he's just raised a little girl, 12 years old, from death to life with just his words. See, Jesus has power and authority over demons and disease. And now in this passage, he's expanding his team. Now, when I was on uh, placement year at my university, I started to frequent Uh, the local Subway sandwich shop. You know the shop, it's the one that somehow manages to pump out all the good smells into their local high street, just as you're walking past. Well, apparently, Subway started off as Pete's Super Submarines. That's not really as catchy a name, is it? But as time passed by, Pete rebranded his restaurant as Subway, and he started to open more and more sandwich shops, 
Pete expanded his team. He sent people out to do exactly the same thing that he was doing. Franchises popped up around America, into Baran, Canada, Japan, Saudi Arabia, and they finally came to us here in the United Kingdom. But if you were to go into any one of those stores, no matter the town, the county, the country, you'd see exactly the same menu and you'd encounter exactly the same smell. You see, for Pete's super submarines to take over the worldwide sandwich industry, it would need people to take it there. If Jesus's message was to reach the world, it would need people to take it there. So Jesus sends these men out to invite people to join his kingdom. He sends them out to proclaim his good news. As we've said, he sends them out to do exactly what he himself was doing. Back in Luke chapter 4 verse 43, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And that's exactly what we've seen him doing, isn't it? And now he's sending his disciples out to do exactly the same thing too. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, if you can remember that far back, we were looking at the parable of the sower. And in that parable, Jesus was comparing the spreading of the good news with a farmer spreading his seed. And that was before precision sowing techniques. You see, as the farmer went, he threw the seed out. He wasn't concerned where it landed. He was throwing it onto paths, onto rocky ground, onto thorny ground and onto good soil. The seed was thrown fast and free. And we saw that Jesus said the different soils, they were different responses to the gospel. And when we come to verses 3 to 5 of Luke chapter 9, well, we're in similar territory again. Since Jesus is expanding his team with the disciples, the disciples can look forward to the same responses as Jesus. Just have a look at verse 3. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. See, the, the disciples, they're not to take anything for the journey. Now, some people think that means that means that they had to be uh, poor and humble. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. As I've said, the parable of the sower has just come just before this passage. So instead, it's better to see this as a picture of that, to see this here as a picture of that parable. As the disciples went around, they'd either be welcomed or rejected, just as Jesus had been. So they wouldn't need any of these things because they should find people who would receive their good news joyfully. You see, the message of the kingdom is what the people have been looking forward to. It's what the whole Bible story this far has been pointing to. So as the message of the good news of the kingdom comes around, well, the people, they should be overjoyed. And if they're overjoyed, they're going to do something about it. Jesus has said that those who hear his word, they don't just hear it, but they also put it into practice. In this case, that might be providing food for the messengers. Or as verse 4 suggests, that might be providing lodging for them. However, verse 5, the message might also be rejected. Just look at verse 5 again with me. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. 
See, as these messengers of the kingdom go around, there will be people who reject them. There will be people who reject the good news of the kingdom. So the disciples are to shake the dust off their feet as a testimony against them. They're literally to leave the ground there. See, as they go around declaring the kingdom of God has come, as they go inviting people out, uh, inviting people to join that kingdom, they're marking the territory of that kingdom. And if a place rejects them, well, they leave the dust of the ground behind. It's as if they're not taking any part of that place with them. Actually, all the way through Luke, Jesus, uh, yeah, Luke's been making a big thing of this kingdom. Did you notice how many times the number 12 has been coming up? In fact, it came up a lot uh, last week as well. 12 in the Bible, it's the number that's associated with God's people. Just think, the 12 tribes of Israel. Luke wants us to see that as Jesus is going around, well, he is bringing his people in. He's marking out his kingdom. So as the 12 go out, as they're sent out, they're sent out with good news to share. They're sharing in Jesus's priorities. They're making sure that Jesus's word is preached, Jesus's word is heard and Jesus's word is received. And as they do that, they're marking out the kingdom. They're marking out the people of God. And do you see how effective their spread is? Just have a look at verse 6. They went from village to village and jumped right to the end there. They went everywhere, we're told. Just like Pete's super submarines, Jesus has expanded his team and they're now reaching the whole nation. Now this message, this invitation to the kingdom is being spread far and wide by Jesus' disciples. In fact, the message appears to have even reached the Tetrarch. Verse 8. What's a Tetrarch? Well, it's what you call yourself if you're not allowed to call yourself the king, if the Romans won't let you say, I'm the king. The good news of Jesus, it reaches Herod. And we're told that the news made Herod perplexed. You see, he's heard about Jesus, but he doesn't know what to make of it. Some people are saying that he's John, raised from the dead. Other people are saying that he's Elijah. And still others are saying that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. Actually, those are all plausible explanations. Luke has shown us how similar Jesus and John are. He's shown us that they're connected. We've seen Jesus doing elijah stuff. And if we've been looking really carefully, we'll have seen Jesus even doing one of the prophets of long ago kind of things. And all of this has left Herod perplexed. He doesn't know what to think. Just notice in this little passage that the emphasis here, again, is on hearing. Herod heard all that was going on. Herod was perplexed because of what some were saying. Luke's making a big point here about Herod's listening. He's listening to all sorts of people, but is he listening to the right people? Well, it turns out he hasn't even been listening to those people fully anyway, since he only picks up on one of their answers. I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? See, that's actually a similar question to what the disciples said in the boat last week. Do you remember they said, who is this who commands the sea and the waves? It's a question actually we're going to be thinking about more next week. 
But right now, Herod can't understand who Jesus is. Jesus has already said that would be a response to his words, hasn't he? We saw that a couple of weeks ago too. He said that though seeing they may not see, through hearing they may not understand. The message had got through to Herod, but he did not understand it. I think this passage is left open on purpose. Just have a look at how it ends, the end of verse 9. And he tried to see him. You see, the the ironic thing about this whole passage is that the point being made is that you don't have to see Jesus to hear Jesus. His disciples have exactly the same message. Jesus speaks through his disciples so you can listen to them. So what should we take then from these first nine verses? Let me bring my friend back in again. I would believe if I saw Jesus. How would Luke answer their question? Well, I think he would say, you don't need to see Jesus to hear Jesus. See, as the disciples were going from place to place, they were proclaiming the good news. They were telling people about the kingdom of God. The message that Jesus had was exactly the same message his disciples were proclaiming. Jesus had expanded his team. And in this mini section with King Herod or Tetrarch Herod, It makes exactly the same point. Herod was perplexed about what he was hearing. So what did he try and do? Well, he tried to see Jesus. But you don't need to see Jesus to hear Jesus. Isn't that good news for us? See, we're more physically unable to see Jesus than Herod was. But that doesn't matter. You don't need to see Jesus to hear Jesus. His same message is proclaimed by his disciples. And the disciples have written it down for us to hear today. But this passage, it also raises the question for us of who are we listening to? We can grasp that Jesus' words need listening to. I mean, Jesus has been saying that a lot recently, hasn't he? But how well are we listening to them? In Herod's case, he's hearing all sorts of things about Jesus. He's John the Baptist. He's Elijah. He's one of the prophets of old. That's not Jesus' message, is it? That's people's musings. That's people's opinions about who Jesus is. That's not the real message. And similarly, we can be distracted by all sorts of things that are said about Jesus too, can't we? For example, we can hear some people say that Jesus' priority wasn't to preach, but it was to help the poor and to cure diseases. Don't get me wrong. Jesus did care about suffering and about poverty, But that's not the reason he came. His purpose was much bigger. He said so himself. Other people say that even though Jesus has said something, well, we're smarter now and we can move past what he said. Again, there's no power in those words. Jesus sent his disciples out with his power and his authority. They were to preach exactly the same thing as Jesus. They weren't to deviate from it. Why? Well, because there's no good news in a changed message. You see, the surest, the best way to hear Jesus' words, well, they're through those that Jesus sent. In this case, it's through the disciples. In a few weeks, we're going to see that develop further. And where can you hear the disciples' words? And therefore, where can you hear Jesus' words? 
right here in the Bible. So every time we read, every time we hear the disciples, every time their words are taught, we're hearing Jesus. But if we're listening to all sorts of things about Jesus and they're not his words, well, they're powerless. They have absolutely no authority. You don't have to see Jesus to hear Jesus. He's expanded his team. Well, let's carry on with our passage this morning. And this is a story you might know quite well. But when we come to this passage, we need to think, or we need to not think, I know this one from Sunday school. Instead, we need to ask the question, what does Luke want us to understand? What does he want his friend Theophilus to understand by putting this story right here? Now, we've seen that Jesus speaks through his disciples. And now we're going to see that Jesus provides through his disciples. You see, verse 10 reminds us again that Jesus had sent these men out, just in case you forgot it from the nine verses before. So, you see, we're meant to connect these two stories together. You can see they're actually called apostles here. Uh, Apostles is just a word that means sent ones. You see, the 12 had been sent, hadn't they? And to prove the point, Jesus does exactly what they have been doing. Just have a look at verse 11. Jesus speaks to the crowds about the kingdom of God and he heals people. It's exactly the same thing that the disciples were doing. The apostles had been doing exactly the same thing, like master, like disciple. And this goes on for a fair chunk of time. And suddenly someone looks at the clock. Um, They notice it's late afternoon and you can start to hear the stomachs rumble. It's time for some food. Now, unfortunately for them, Pete's Super Submarines, well, it doesn't have a franchise in Bethsaida just yet. So the disciples come up with a plan. What do they say to Jesus? In the middle of verse 12, they say, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. But just notice how Jesus responds to them in verse 13. He replied, You give them something to eat. You, disciples, you go buy them something to eat. Uh, But Jesus, we we only have bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for this crowd, the disciples object. There were about 5,000 men there. Take into account there were probably women and children there too. That's a sizable crowd, isn't it? So Jesus says to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they do it. The crowd listens to Jesus' command through the disciples' mouths. Then Jesus does the miracle. We're not given much detail on how that works. That's not what Luke wants us to focus on. Instead, look at who provides the food for the people. End of verse 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he, that's Jesus, gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Just return with me for a moment to Pete's super submarines. You see, as Pete spread his chain around the world, the menu was the same in all the places it went. It meant that whichever subway you entered, you still had the same experience, the same smell as you approached, the same menu as you went in. Yet, Pete wasn't physically there in each store. Yet it was the same ingredients, the same taste, the same feel. You see, throughout all these different chains, it was still... Pete, who was delivering the sandwiches. He was just doing it through different hands. 
And you see, it's like that, but it's better in this section. Jesus is still the one delivering the food here, but he does it through his disciples. That seems to be the big thread running through this passage. The disciples then distribute the food and they collect the leftovers. There's another 12 there, isn't there? You see, from beginning to the end of this feast, it's the disciples that the crowd interacts with. Jesus provides through his disciples. They are satisfied and there's food left over. Jesus has provided more than enough. And how's he done it? Through his disciples. But you see, Luke doesn't want us to leave things there. You see, there's a connection between Jesus' words and this food. As we've gone through this passage, there have been a number of connections back to earlier in the Bible. We saw one with the 12 earlier. Jesus' kingdom is the new Israel. Perhaps you've spotted some others. But when we come to the feeding of the 5,000, well, we're with a bunch of people who heard Jesus' message and they appear to be in. Again, the 12 come to Jesus with a food shortage problem. The issue is, what is it? They're in a remote place and there is no food around, verse 12. Now, if we noticed the 12 being connected to Israel, well, we notice that this whole setup is meant to remind us of the Exodus. In fact, Exodus uh, only counts men at certain points, just like here. And it also talks about people sitting in 50s, just like here. Those are all Exodus-y things. But in particular, as Moses in the Exodus rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says he took them through a remote place into the promised land. You see this phrase, remote place, is exactly the same word used for the wilderness in Exodus. This is exactly the same setup. And you may know the story, God provided food for his people, for the Israelites in the wilderness. But on reflection of that, Moses said something specific to Israel. It's going to come up on the screen now. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. This is what Moses said. He, that's God, humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Okay, perhaps something's going on here. In fact, God providing food for his people in connection with his words, well, it's throughout the Old Testament. You can see it in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 2 Kings chapter 4. Why not, when the morning's done, go back to this YouTube video, rewind to this very point and look those passages up. 1 Kings 18 and 2 Kings 4. But even in Luke, we've had hints of this. Back in chapter 4, which I read from at the start, Jesus quoted this exact phrase from Deuteronomy when Satan tempted him, when he was hungry in the wilderness. Man does not live on bread alone. Complete the sentence at home. And the next chapter, when Jesus calls Peter, well, he found him fishing. And the big emphasis there is that Peter catches fish because of Jesus' words. Because you say so, Peter says, I will let down the nets. Because of Jesus' words, says Luke, there's fish. Isn't it interesting that here we get bread and fish again? 
So can you see this whole section, it's still connected to Jesus' words. Jesus' words that provide. Jesus' words that bring people in to his kingdom. So if we tie everything together, it's through Jesus' words that people come to be part of his kingdom. His words that are spoken through his disciples, they bring people in. And those people who are brought in, well, like here, they're provided for, they're cared for too. You can see that point again, actually, at the end of this meal. All the people were satisfied. That's exactly what Jesus said the hungry in his kingdom would be back in Luke chapter 6. Blessed are those who are hungry, for they will be satisfied. Jesus provides through his disciples. So it's through Jesus' words, as they're spoken, as they're delivered through his disciples, that people enter the kingdom of God, that the people of God are defined by. And when we clock that, it notches up how important it is to listen to Jesus' words, doesn't it? You see, those words, they're not just an opinion. They're not just something that we can agree to disagree on. Instead, Jesus' words are how people enter the kingdom of God. We've already seen that to accept Jesus, to accept his words is to accept him. And to reject Jesus' words is to reject Jesus. And as we can see, reject the kingdom as well. So the question is, have you, you realised what you've just heard? It's an invitation to join the people of God. You see, if you listen to Jesus' words and you follow him, you can be part of that kingdom. That kingdom where all eat and are satisfied. That kingdom that this story of Luke, it points us towards. The kingdom that in the end will have no illness, no disease, no evil. You see, if you're a Christian, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian this morning and you're listening in, well, that invitation is open to you. It's open to anyone and everyone who will listen. If you want to prove it's open to anyone, just go back to chapter 8 and you'll see some examples there. If you would call yourself a Christian, just realise the certainty you can have that the message you've heard is the real deal. And because it's that, and people who hear and accept it are brought in, just realise what you have in your hands, or even better still, what you have in your mouths. You have the invitation to the kingdom of God. All you have to do is speak it. So before I claim my product placement check, let's just return to my friend from the beginning. I'd believe if I saw Jesus. How would Luke answer my friend's objection? How would you answer my friend's objection? You see, Luke says you don't need to see Jesus to hear Jesus. And how would you hear him? Well, in this passage, it's through his sent disciples. You know, the objection I mentioned earlier was raised by my friend as we were reading the disciples' words in the gospel. So I could say, thanks to this passage, that he didn't need to see Jesus to hear Jesus. And it's through Jesus' words, as they're spoken through the, the disciples, that the people are provided for and they enter the kingdom of God. You see, for Luke's friend Theophilus, that's a great relief. 
He's not had the opportunity to see Jesus. He hasn't had the opportunity to physically hear Jesus speak. And he begins to wonder, can I really be saved if I haven't seen Jesus? Well, Luke can say, don't worry, you don't need to see Jesus to hear Jesus. You can hear Jesus' words through his disciples. And the question, it funnels through to us today, whether you'd say you're a Christian or not, how can we hear Jesus' words? It's the same answer, isn't it? Through Jesus' disciples, written down for us to hear. And if this invitation is uh, to the kingdom is to reach those around us, if the good news of the kingdom is going to spread, well then how are the people of Hemel Hempstead, here in the 21st century, going to hear the words of Jesus? Guess what? Still the same answer, through the words of his disciples. You see, Jesus speaks and Jesus provides through his disciples. And that's really good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus expanded his team. Thank you that through the words of the disciples, we can hear Jesus' words today. Thank you that through their message, as it's the same as his, we can become part of the kingdom of God. Please help us to be certain of that and to share those amazing words with those around us. Amen.